invite you to turn with me in your Bibles again to the 22nd Psalm. Two weeks ago, we read Psalm 22 from the perspective of its author, King David. David wrote this psalm out of an agonizing personal experience, and he gave it to the believing community to use in worship. As we said two weeks ago, we don't like talking like Psalm 22 talks. We'd rather quote Psalm 23 because it's so comforting. But as good as Psalm 23 is, it's not enough. We also need Psalm 22 for those times when we feel abandoned and alone. Last time we studied Psalm 22 as a psalm of lament and saw how God has provided a divine pattern for our prayers when we hurt. We don't just smile and grin and bear it. We don't pretend and fake it until we make it. We bring our whole selves to the Lord in honesty, including all of our pain and fear and sorrow and anguish. The whole blistering mess. That's what God wants. Bring Him the whole blistering mess when you feel forsaken. But we also felt that there was something more going on in this psalm. We couldn't avoid it. Everywhere we turned as we read Psalm 22, we heard Jesus. We saw Jesus. We heard Jesus singing this psalm. We saw Jesus filling up the details of this psalm. The psalm was clearly prophetic. It wasn't just powerful lament, it was prefigured lament. As so many other things in David's life, he was a foretaste of the greater one to come. David was the shadow. Jesus was the substance. David was the type. Jesus was the antitype. David was the prototype. Jesus was the ultimate iteration, the fulfillment. For a thousand years, Jewish believers had been singing Psalm 22 when they were in pain. And then when Jesus was crucified, He sang Psalm 22 like no one ever before or since. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the perfect psalm to read as we enter into Passion Week. As we said last time, only Isaiah 53 rivals this psalm for prophetic insight into the crucifixion. And just think about this. It was written a thousand years before Jesus was born. Here's what I want to do today. I want to read Psalm 22 again. Just read it. Let the words wash over us again. No commentary. Just remember what we learned last time as we read it. And then I want to leave a finger in Psalm 22 and go over to Matthew 27 and read the account of the crucifixion of Jesus there in Matthew 27 and see how Jesus filled up Psalm 22. Are you with me? Psalm 22. For the director of music, to the tune of the doe of the morning, a psalm of David. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Yet you're enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong Bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Would you pray with me? Psalm 22, Lord, is holy ground. We should be careful how we walk around it. Take us as deep as you want to, Lord. 
into understanding what our Lord suffered for us. Give us a sense, Lord, of how this psalm was also prophetic and pointed beyond the anguish, agony, and suffering of King David to the anguish and agony and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to get just a glimpse of the truth of what, of what we're looking at here. Not because we deserve it, but because you're gracious and you give good gifts to your people. Because of your great love for us. Because you gave us your word. Thank you for these words. They are precious. They're painful. They're jagged. But they are precious to us. Few things are more precious. Take us into this, Lord. We pray in the name of the suffering one. Amen. So leave one finger there in Psalm 22 and turn over now to Matthew 27. I want to pick up the story in verse 27 of Matthew 27. So Matthew 27, 27. Our Lord Jesus has been on trial before the Sanhedrin. That was a monkey trial. There was no justice there. He's been before the Roman governor, Pilate. Pilate offered to release Jesus, but the crowd chose for the notorious prisoner Barabbas to be released and Jesus to be crucified. Crucify him, they yelled. Earlier that week, the yells were, Hosanna, Hosanna. But now it's crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate washed his hands of the matter. And he had Jesus flogged, and he handed him over to be crucified. Look at verse 27, and listen for Psalm 22. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. Don't forget that this happened. Never forget what was done to Jesus. It is so easy to go about our daily lives and put these thoughts out of our minds. But we should come back to this again and again. Because this happened to Jesus. And in fact, He chose it for us. Verse 31. After they had mocked Him, they took off the robe and put His own clothes on Him. Then they led Him away to crucify Him. You know what that means, right? It wasn't just figurative language about dog bites piercing David's hands and feet. Psalm 22, verse 16. They actually pierced Jesus' hands and feet with nails. With nails. They nailed Him. And then He struggled to breathe. He'd pull up on the nails to get His breath and then collapse back down. We call it excruciating pain because it has the word crush in the middle of it or cross in the middle of it. 
verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. The Latin for skull is Calvi. This thing up here, that's your Calvi. So we call this place Calvary, or Skull Hill. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. He didn't want to be drugged. He didn't want to be in a haze. He wanted to be awake and alert as much as he could be. But he was so thirsty. Psalm 22, verse 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus lived that song. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 28, tells us, So that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Verse 35, When they had crucified Him, they divided up His clothes by casting lots. What's that? That's verse 18 of Psalm 22, isn't it? They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. David may have just been using figurative language to mean that they were circling around him and wanting him to die and leave his stuff behind. But they actually did it to Jesus. Just think about that. One of these guys went home that night with Jesus' clothes. Maybe wearing them. Where'd you get that? His wife asks when he gets home. I want it. We cast lots. How do you think it looks? Dirty. Bloody. But whatever. Verse 36. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. That's Psalm 22, verse 17. I can count on my bones. People stare and gloat over me. Verse 37. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. Look at Psalm 22 again. Look at verse 7. All who see me, what? Mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Shaking their heads. That was written a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. Look at the next verse, Psalm 22, 8. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Now turn over to Matthew 27. Pick up again in verse 41. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Sound familiar? It's amazing. You know, we're used to it because it's in our Bible, right? But the psalm is written a thousand years before Jesus lives it. These people were unconsciously fulfilling 
Scripture. They didn't intend to be the bad guys of Psalm 22, but that's exactly what they were when Jesus was fulfilling it. Verse 44. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. What David had just tasted, Jesus swallowed whole. Jesus lived out this question like no one ever before. Psalm 22, verse 1 was on his lips when he was dying for you and for me. Let us never forget it. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was God forsaken. Not just forsaken. Jesus suffered the wrath of God. God was not just absent from Jesus. God was against Jesus in those moments, in those minutes. Last week, Darko said that the father turned his face away. Remember when Darko moved his head back this way? He turned his face away from the son on the cross. He did. And more, he poured out his just wrath on the son on the cross. It's unthinkable. We sing it better than we say it. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut His glories in. When Christ, the mighty maker, died for man, the creature's sin, thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. No wonder the sun went dark for three hours. How could it shine when Jesus was being forsaken Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He knew the answer to that question. But he was experiencing that question like no one ever had or ever will. We call this the cry of dereliction from the cross. And it's one of, if not the most agonizingly, agonizingly awful moments in human history. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Some people misunderstood him. They, they thought he was saying Elijah, Eli, not Eloi. Not my God, but Eli, Elijah. Verse 47, when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. 
And look what that did. Verse 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. That's crazy. When the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Look what Jesus' suffering did. It brought new life. A foretaste of the resurrection to come. It brought a new perspective. This centurion understands who Jesus really is. He is the Son of God. And it brought new access to God. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And that means the way into the Holy of Holies had been opened. An amazing symbol of access to God. No barriers. Jesus has opened the way to God. Let me put it this way. I've only got one point this morning. Jesus was forsaken so that his people will never be. Jesus was forsaken so that his people will never be. We just sang it a little bit ago. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Amazing love. I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Jesus was forsaken so that his people will never be forsaken. That's a perfect thought to go to this table with. There's a lot of things we could say about the juxtaposition of Psalm 22 and Matthew 27. I think it's amazing, for example, how perfectly Scripture was fulfilled a thousand years after it was written. So specifically, so particularly. You normally think about the New Testament fulfillments as being more spiritual. But these were very literal fulfillments, weren't they? That's interesting. But I don't think that's what we ought to focus on right now. What we ought to focus on is the suffering of Jesus on our behalf. Think about this. Sin must be completely horrible for this to be what it takes to deal with it. This table stands for our sins and the sacrifice of Jesus it took to forgive us of them. Romans chapter 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him on the cross as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. This is what it took for our sins to be forgiven. It took Jesus living out Psalm 22 to an unimaginable degree. One time I preached a sermon called Abandoned. 
And about all I did in that sermon was just read Mark chapters 14 and 15. And as you read those chapters, you see how Jesus was abandoned by everybody. Those closest to him, his followers, and even his father. Yes, by mutual agreement. The Father and the Son agreed on this in advance. The the Father and the Son both chose it out of love for us, but they did it. The Father abandoned the Son and even more poured out His wrath on Him, a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. Friends, that's how horrible sin is. And how great is the love God has shown to His people. I love those songs that express incredulity over this. And can it be? Like, I can't even wrap my mind around this. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me, who caused his pain? For me, who him to death pursued? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Or would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? I just, I just, I can't, almost can't believe it. See, when we start to think we deserve it, then all the wonder goes out of it. But when we realize we don't deserve a bit of this, we're just blown away. Never forget what Jesus suffered for you and for me. Jesus was forsaken so that his people will never be. But you got to be part of his people. It's only those who are in Christ Jesus who have no condemnation. Are you in Christ Jesus? If you are not yet or you don't know, then we invite you to put your faith in Jesus right now. Trust in him and what he did for you at Calvary. Don't look away. Don't walk away. Come to Christ. And all who have come to Christ, thank him for what he did for you and for me. Jesus was forsaken so that we will never be.